0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is the nation's number one program for you as a family caregiver, and we're so glad that you're with us. I am Peter Rosenberger, hopeforthecaregiver.com. More than 65 million Americans right now serve as a family caregiver. Maybe it's a child with autism. Maybe it's somebody with an addiction. Maybe it's Alzheimer's. Whatever the chronic impairment, there's always a caregiver. And this program is designed to help strengthen the family caregiver because healthy caregivers Make better caregivers. Hope for the Caregiver.com. Also, go out to our social media page. We have a Facebook page, Hope for the Caregiver, and then we have a Facebook group, Hope for the Caregiver, that you can join. And it's a private group that I started. We've got hundreds and hundreds of people in there, and I share all kinds of bonus things. And we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. I've got a couple of things I need to do before we get too far into the show. I've got a lot of mail that has come, and I want to be able to answer it. Peggy, who loved Gracie's version of the National Anthem from our Memorial Day show and wants to know where she can get it. Well, Peggy, sorry, that one I don't put out there. I've got some recordings of it out there in different places, but we don't sell it. We don't distribute it. Uh, We just use that for special occasions and when Gracie does it live as well. Uh, Shirley, she loved Through It All with Johnny and Gracie singing, Johnny Erickson, Todd and Gracie singing that, and... That particular song, along with the—and she want to know if there was other songs that the two of them have done, and yes, they have, uh, Because He Lives. And both of those are on Gracie's CD, and you can go out to hopeforthecaregiver.com, click on our music tab, and you can see how to get that CD today if you want to do that. Uh, Gloria, who is keeping a sense of humor in East Tennessee as she cares for her husband, and we had a great talk this week. And uh, thank you, Gloria, for again reaching out. I appreciate what you're going through and the the challenges you're facing and you're facing with grace and a great sense of humor. Plus, you're an East Tennessee gal, and I married an East Tennessee gal. Gracie is a ninth-generation Tennessean, and I tell people don't let the fact she's got all her teeth fool you. She's a hillbilly. East Tennessee is a beautiful place, so, Glory, thanks for that. And I'd like for you all to lift Ann up in prayer. She is dealing with a very tough situation over in Eastern North Carolina, and hard, hard realities. And she's tired. She's, she's worn slam out. What, what she's carrying is, is pretty brutal. So put her on your prayer list, and let's, let's lift her up. And, and the prayer is strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. She's got a great attitude. She's smart. She's tough. But she's tired, just like so many of us in, in, in this caregiving family here. So let's let's uh, lift her up. Uh, Dion listened to my interview with uh, Gary Chapman, loved it, and she was playing in the garden when her mother passed away. And her mother had leukemia for 15 years, and was listening to her play in the garden when her mother stepped into glory. Dion, that is such a great story. I, I'm gonna go to the caregiver keyboard here because I just. I love that hymn. I mean, who doesn't love that hymn? And the fact that your mom went to see Jesus while you're playing that uh, is just extraordinary. So, I'll just I'll just play this for a few minutes. It's a beautiful story about you and your mom, and 85 years old, and you're playing that song, and um, her journey with leukemia was over, and thank you for sharing that with me. I do appreciate that. I also want to um, take a moment to talk to Chris about his friend Rick, and Rick lost his wife after caring for her, and now he's severely depressed, and he's struggling with this, And this is an issue affecting so many caregivers out there. They pour their lives into this, and then when their loved one passes away, what do you do? What happens? Now, this is only theory to me, even though I've been a caregiver now for almost 36 years, 37 years, however long I've been doing this. um, I'm still a caregiver. But I've also learned the importance of, of establishing your identity beyond the caregiving task. I've had to do that. I've been a caregiver since I was 22. So it's um, one of these things for, for Rick, I would recommend highly getting a hold of a professional uh, that can help you with some grief counseling. There are grief support groups out there, a grief share and certainly with your pastor, clergy, find somebody who's a trained professional to kind of spend some time with you, walk you through this and this goes for, for all of us who are finding ourselves in these situations. Let's let's don't try to do this by ourselves. This is hard enough without having to somehow slog through this by ourselves. And I I would highly encourage you to do that, Rick. So and, and Chris, if Rick is not listening, would you tell him for us so that he can do that? So I, I thank you all for all of your letters and comments that come in. I read them all. If I don't respond to them as fast as you would like, Please be patient with me. I am still a full-time caregiver, and I I have quite a few things that that, uh, are pressing on me. But I do take them very seriously, and you can always go out again to the Facebook group and and share some of those things there as well at facebook.com slash Hope for the Caregiver for the page, and then the group. You just join the group. Just look for the group, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. And when you you join, you know, feel free to send a message, you know, something I've heard on the radio or whatever however you heard about us but we'd love to have you there we could talk about all kinds of things and um, and then take advantage of the podcast that i put out there we've got i don't know 650 episodes and from what i understand it is the number one podcast in the world for family caregivers and um you've you've helped make that possible so please take advantage of it and, and send it to a friend. Send the episodes to a friend. You can do a search on it by topic if you've got something you want to, um, you know, if it's stress or resentment or whatever else, and, you know, feel free just to search on that and find it. Also, a good piece of news here, I'm, I wanted to let you know, I am um, turning in, uh, this week I've turned in my, my new book. I've been working on this, so that's another thing that's been on my plate. And the publisher uh, has this, and we're going to be letting you know when this will be coming out. A very special person is going to be involved with this, writing the forward, and I think you'll be very pleased. And I'll let you know more about this as it unfolds. But I've been working on this, and I I think you're going to like this book. I think it's going to be very meaningful to you, and it's something that I went back and read through myself and, and gleaned it. I mean, that's I, I think that's the thing that, you all know this because you're regular listeners to the program, but for those who are new, may not know this. I do this to my own heart. I have to listen to these things myself. I have to to do kind of what David did at Ziklag, uh, if you know that story. It's a great story where everything seemed lost. His own men were going to stone him. They were so distraught because the Amalekites came and took all of their families, and their possessions, and everything, and they picked up stones to. Th- To stone David and he encouraged himself in the Lord, it said. And they dropped the stones, they came together, prayed, and they went after the Malachites and got it all taken care of. And this is what I do as a caregiver, and this is what we, you and I, both have to do as caregivers. Sometimes we just have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so that's a a little bit of programming for the show today. Thank you for your indulgence. We've got a great guest coming up here in the next segment. You don't want to miss this, former governor of Wisconsin. And you're going to love this man and his story and his insights. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll be right back.
1: In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God.
2: Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling.
1: The whole idea of
0: in his image has moved
2: me. We
1: actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with
0: hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to
3: realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said, after seeing the
0: film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus
1: through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. Here's Dr. Ben Witherington from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks.
4: A Christian, in order to defend the veracity of the Bible, first needs to know the Bible. And unfortunately, we live in an increasingly biblically illiterate world and a biblically illiterate church. To me, this is often discouraging. Our culture is already increasingly turned off by Christianity and Christians. So you don't need to encourage them any further in that direction. So you need to find a way to be persuasive about the truth of the gospel in this particular time, in this particular culture, with your immediate audience. A good font of knowledge of the Bible is critical, but uh, some wisdom about who you're addressing and how to best address them in a persuasive way is key.
1: Visit thegodwhospeaks.org.
2: Welcome
0: back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you are with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I'm joined today by a gentleman I got to meet a couple of years ago and thrilled to have him back. He's a former governor of Wisconsin. I think I said that right, by the way, Marty. Wisconsin. My southern accent didn't come through. I said Wisconsin. uh this is uh, Martin Schreiber, Governor uh, Martin Schreiber, and his book is called My Two Elaine's, and it details his journey caring for his wife Elaine through Alzheimer's for 18 years. She recently passed away, and Marty's here to just share his thoughts, his insights, this book, a wonderful book uh, that I would highly recommend getting. I, I read through it. It, it. it moved me very deeply from just one caregiving husband to another. I, I felt such a connection and i am just um i couldn't i can't sing this praise the praises of this enough because he's very honest about this journey from somebody who put some time in it so marty welcome back to the program and we're so glad that you're with
4: us well peter thank you what a, what a privilege for me to uh, to be with you once again and and you know what is so wonderful about this is that you heard me talk once but you invited me back the second time that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have an open
4: invitation I, I am grateful. Uh, I I join all of your listeners and viewers in being grateful for what you are doing to help give people some hope and help give people some opportunity of mm-hmm. how to better cope with, uh, with, with this whole business of caregiving. So you're, you're outstanding in what you're doing. So thank you.
0: Well, that's, that's very gracious. I, I, I know that you, you lost Elaine this year, but as you said, before we came on the show here, You've, you've lost her for many years, and, and it's been a journey. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a backdrop for those who don't know you, and then let's talk about kind of where you are right now and your thoughts.
4: So, so a little bit of background. Uh, Elaine uh, was the, the girl I met when I was a freshman in Latin class in, in high school. I was 14 years old, and I knew right away I was love at first sight. And so uh, we dated and we went steady and we got engaged and we got married and four children and 13 grandchildren, now seven great-grandchildren. But she was everything that you could ever want in a spouse in a wife, caring and loving and understanding and patient and forgiving. When I would run for office, she would be the hardest working campaigner. If I would lose, she would never let me feel defeated. And, uh, just a great life. So now she's about 64 years of age. And uh, now she's getting lost driving to and from places she'd been driving to and from for 10 years. She uh, was a great cook. And uh, sometimes she would mess up a re- recipe so badly that she would cry. And uh, sometimes she would tell people what we did, and we never did it. And so that was then the beginning of what I call the second Elaine, and uh, so we we we've been on this journey now for the, the 18 years. And I, I think one thing that I learned more than anything else, and that is if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. And when I say ignorance of the disease, by healthcare professionals who many times do not understand that when there is the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, there are two patients, the person who is ill and then also the caregiver. And so, uh, but also ignorance of the disease by the caregiver, oh my gosh, Peter, um, I, you know, there's an old German saying that you get old so quick and smart so late, but I, and, and, and so I, I, I learned these things sometimes too late and I felt I just had to do something to help other caregivers learn, uh, cope uh, so we can survive. And uh, so then um, I did everything I could to try and take care of Elaine at home. Uh, my children finally had uh, like an intervention with me and said, "Dad, if you don't get some help and and get help for for mom, we're going to lose you too." And then why do we want to lose two parents? Well, what what I began to understand then and 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 more more strongly, and that is that what I was trying to, what what I was selfishly doing was, Peter, I was fighting this disease head on, okay? And I, I was not going to let it whip me. And it began to dawn on me that my fight with this disease was more important than Elaine living her best life. And finally, I had to realize that there's a better and a different way to fight this disease than trying to take it head on. And uh, And so... The placement of Elaine into assisted living some eight years ago was one of the very toughest decisions I've ever made in in my whole life, but probably was one of the best uh, for her. Can
0: Can I ask you a question about that? When you left her that night, that you went back home after you placed her in assisted living, what was that drive home for you? Were you alone? Did you have somebody, you know, what was that like for you?
4: Well, I tell you, I, I was alone, and um, it was it was horrible. It was it was just absolutely horrible. And what 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 we have to fight, we caregivers, we have to fight the emotional versus the intellectual. Intellectually, that was the best thing for Elaine. Intellectually, that was the best thing for me. Emotionally, to 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 leave your loved one and to know that that's you know. Uh, the end of this life together in your own home and, and so forth. That was so, so difficult, but, you know,
0: well, and, and the reason I asked that is, you know, looking back on it, would you say to someone now going through that same process that being alone was, it was important for you to be able to grieve that out by yourself or would you suggest it would be better to have somebody with you?
4: I have learned in, in talking with Elaine's uh, sisters and brother, and also with my own children, everyone handles grief a different way. And uh, I think I was glad that I was alone because I shed tears, cried uh, like a baby almost. and And I had to, and I think that's another thing for we caregivers to understand, we've got to let our emotions out and, you know, I'm a grown man. I should be crying in 60, you know, what was, I don't know, in the early 70s. Uh, I should be crying. Absolutely not. But I I began to realize I've got to let these emotions out so I can, that can be help of healing. And, and tears are sometimes uh, looked upon as being a type of, of healing. But no, I, w- I was alone and I'm glad I was. Now, there again, um. You know, every everyone handles this a different way and I think they should think about what what kind of comfort they're gonna get one way or another.
0: Well, and that I think that's the kind of thing I, I I want listeners to hear from you because there's no there's no wrong way. There's just there's just the way you're gonna do it to, to process this out. Uh the only maybe wrong way would be to ignore it altogether. I think that would be the unhealthy way, but I think what I'm hoping to point out fellow caregivers too, is find that way that helps healthily process that grief out for you. For me, when I am overwhelmed by grief, a lot of times i just go to the piano and I like to be by myself and I just work that out at the keyboard. And, uh, uh, sometimes I get on a horse, And uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, I think it was Will Rogers that said there was nothing wrong with the inside of a man that the outside of a horse can't fix. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of that statement but it's um you know i think that's one of the issues i struggle with uh for myself personally and i know my fellow caregivers do okay how do we grieve how do we do this and and as you it, we talked about before coming on the program she passed away in april but you've been grieving for almost two decades talk about that
4: well um what, what we caregivers see particularly with, with dementia and so forth alzheimer's what we see is our loved one dying a little bit each day and we know something is not going right we try and do our best to uh, take care of the deficits that are left because our loved one's mind is 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 getting smaller we we try and 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 deal with that and so we work harder we spend more time we don't go to the gym. What we maybe do is uh, we, we skip going out with friends because we wanna help our loved one as, as much as possible. And uh, Peter, I had um, a, a good friend who uh, retired and uh, uh, he was enjoying retirement. He ate dinner one night. Uh, after dinner, he laid on the, on, on the couch, watched television and he died of a massive heart attack. Uh, and it was a terrible tragedy, Of certainly. There was a funeral and people came by to express their sympathy and to acknowledge the loss. A caregiver, because your loved one is still with you, even though they are leaving you in mind, but a caregiver never has that closure that one would get when one passes away and because there's never that closure, I think that that caregivers, we caregivers do not really fully understand the fact that we're grieving, along with the depression and the worry and the anxiety that we feel, um, we, we don't realize that we're grieving. And so what I think is important for co- caregivers to understand is we are in the process of grieving and uh, and I think the more that we can understand that, you know, grief and the tears are are really a, a, a complement of the love, and um, if if it is possible to acknowledge that grief while it's in process, I think that can make make things things easier. Now, um, when we were talking before the show. Um, you know, Elaine passed away on April 25th, and and how do I feel? To a degree, I feel relieved. Uh, I feel relieved for me, but I also feel relieved for Elaine because her life was so very, very small, and I was so worried that she would maybe get COVID and have a a, a very difficult time in the in the process of dying. But by the grace of God, it was uh, it was uh, passing in, in her sleep. So. So that in and of itself was was a blessing. But the, this this process of grieving, it, again, if Alzheimer's... Is- well,
0: i tell you what, hang on to that thought. We've got to go to a quick break here. I'm sorry, I'm up against a hard break. Yeah. Okay. But I, 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 and I don't want to interrupt that, but I, I want you to give it, give it the fullness. So I'll let you have the whole segment of the next one. We're talking with former governor of Wisconsin, Marty Schreiber, His book is My Two Elaines and he brings a wealth of insight, comfort, wisdom. We're going to talk more with him in the next segment. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
1: Do you feel like you're in control of your finances, or is it more like the other way around?
0: Sometimes all it takes is a little help and encouragement, and we've got just the thing. It's Money Wise with Rob West. Every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, Rob and his money-savvy friends and colleagues help you stay in control of your finances. And it's not from the world's perspective, but from God's. Don't miss Money Wise with
3: Rob West every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, right here on AFR.
0: What is the most important truth that you'll ever hear? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. What is the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? The cross of Jesus Christ just screams out, I love you. Discover the power that is available to you through the cross of Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart each
1: weeknight at 6 central here on American Family Radio. Welcome to Apologetics with Carl Kirby. Have you heard the myth that scientists created life in the laboratory? And I'm not talking about Frankenstein. In 1953, chemist Stanley Miller mixed the chemicals that supposedly made up the Earth's original atmosphere and then shot electrical charges into the mix. Because this produced amino acids, considered the building blocks of life, the experiment was hailed as proof life spontaneously emerged on Earth all by itself. The problem is, the experiment was not spontaneous. Miller hand-picked the chemicals, placed them in a controlled environment, and then shot a very specific amount of electricity into them. That's right, intelligence was required. The Lord himself says in Acts 7.50, has not my hand made all these things? Now, someone may ask, but wait, if Miller's experiment produced amino acids, doesn't that prove some sort of evolution? Actually, no, and we'll talk about why next time. For more resources, go to HopeTools.net. Stay bold.
2: Take this one heart, Lord, and fill One life, Lord, honor you Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com.
0: This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. And we are glad that you're here pushing against the isolation that cripples so many of us as caregivers. Today I have a very special guest. We're continuing my interview here with former governor of Wisconsin, Marty Shriver. His book is My Two Elaine's, and it details his journey caring for his wife Elaine through Alzheimer's. He cared for her for 18 years. She recently passed away, and Marty's here to bring us some context, wisdom, insights, and other issues that we as caregivers can glean from. People like Marty blaze a trail for the rest of us, and I'm extremely grateful to have him here. I've enjoyed our conversations in the past and um, I want to uh, continue on this. Marty, you were talking in the last segment about grief and mourning. One of the things, and I've talked about this a lot on the program, that uh, there's a scripture that says, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But we can't mourn if we're raging out and despairing. I think part of mourning is that acceptance of what is. And the comfort comes once we cross that threshold of accepting what is, is that something that resonates with you through your journey?
4: One one of the things that I learned uh, as it as it relates to the journey, and that is, as long as I tried to keep Elaine in my world, no Elaine. It, didn't happen on a Wednesday, it happened on a Thursday. And no, Elaine, it wasn't the Jones, it was the And No, Elaine, you don't need another jacket. No, Elaine, you don't need a, another uh, blanket and so forth. And so what, what I was doing was trying to keep her in my life, making her life miserable with anxiety and uncertainty and insecurity, and my life filled with the same kinds of, of things. So what I learned was that I had to begin to let go of this person who once was so I could embrace and love and hold the person who now is that that process of transitioning from what Elaine was to what to who Elaine now is that was a very important transition. And for, for, for we caregivers, it doesn't happen with the snap of a finger. It happens with a little bit of tears and worry and anxiety, a little bit all the time. And finally, as our loved one's world gets smaller, finally we get to the point where we get to the point of acceptance. Acceptance of this is a different person, that this is no longer the person who once was. And what what is important in in that is on a few factors. One is I have seen caregivers and siblings, family members become so distraught when their loved one could not remember their name or their relationship. Well, the point of the matter is that yes, that person once could do that, but their mind is broken and we cannot Accept the rejection. We cannot accept the 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 what we think is hurt when our loved one doesn't remember our name. So there again, it's a it's a transitioning. It's it's beginning to gain an acceptance of of what the current situation is, and if if we can do that, uh, I think it's going to go such a long way in reducing the the anxiety and and the worry. Um, so. What, what what happened is as when Elaine was diagnosed, Peter, she kept a like a journal, a diary, and I never could I never understood until I read that how much she depended upon me. But never did I get an insight into her worries. You know what's going to happen to me and my children. Tell me it's when it's time for a nursing home. I, uh, and and so with within that framework. Um, she had so many worries. You add on to the worries of someone who knows that their mind is disappearing. You you have that situation. And then on top of it, to be corrected for everything. No, it didn't happen on a Wednesday. It happened on a Thursday. And I told you once before, why don't you remember? So forth, what are you doing? Putting the car keys in? So that adds so much more misery into someone who is already dealing with some Supreme challenges. So we caregivers have to understand the importance of the transitioning of, of beginning to let ourselves go easy for me to say, extremely difficult to do, but I think so important Peter for caregivers to understand that so they can live a better life.
0: Well, I I see that. And, and I, I've struggled with that in my, the way I've come to understand it with me. And when I explain to fellow caregivers, with my wife for example her legs are gone you don't argue with amputation you're not going to win that argument it's done it's gone it's this and we can see that when you have a physical disability like that it's you wrap your mind around it Uh, i do a man who was deaf and he said one of the things that it was so hard about being deaf versus anything else is that he didn't look disabled you know when you're blind you look disabled sometimes you're wearing dark glasses or whatever when you're uh, disabled physically with your mobility, like Gracie is with her legs, you can see that. But with deafness, you can't. And so he, people would just yell at him and become angry because he couldn't hear. And and that's what happens so much when people's minds are broken, that we're we're yelling at the disease as if we can somehow go twelve rounds with Alzheimer's. And one of the things I loved about your book is that you show that no, you're not going to go. You're not going to fight this disease. It, this disease is bigger than us. And you 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 clearly show your journey of coming to that acceptance, and it's a a beautiful path. But it it came at great cost to you. I mean, it, it's clear, Marty. It, just the conversations you and I've had in your book, this this did not come easy. When you worked through that acceptance, were you doing this again by yourself? Did you have people that were given along the way, or were you foraging, or did you have people with intentionality coming and giving you some guidance, or? How did that work for you?
4: What I learned was nobody... Now, it's it's one thing for me to grieve by myself, as we stated before, when Elaine went into the assisted living. But in this journey, no caregiver should think that they can do it alone. Absolutely not. If it wouldn't have been for counseling with the Alzheimer's Association, I went to counseling and, and, and that helped me immensely uh, to be able to share with other people uh, what your life is like, to have other people acknowledge what it's like to be a caregiver that they understand, to, to get help. Uh, I, if, if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. One of the ignorant things about my uh, journey was I realized maybe, well, hopefully in the right time that I couldn't do it alone. And so I then did go into counseling and I did see a mentor who also was or had experienced this. And and it is so important to to get that kind of support. But see, I call Alzheimer's not a chicken casserole disease. If, if I have a, a heart operation and I come home and I can't get around, people will bring me a chicken casserole. Uh, if hypothetically I have a hip surgery and I can't walk, they'll bring me a chicken casserole. With Alzheimer's, Because people don't understand this disease, friends of many, many years and and relatives and and even fellow church members and so forth, neighbors, they shy away because they don't know how to handle it. And so now the caregiver, we caregivers are going through this really tough time trying to adjust to our loved one, having uh, their mind fade away. And in addition to that, now we feel that we're being deserted. We feel that we're being deserted because people are staying away because they simply don't know. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to be hurtful, but they just don't know what to do. So, here again, professional help, uh, talking with someone. The uh, Alzheimer's has a 24 7 hotline that uh, people can talk to. But it is just so, so critical in my mind to reinforce the fact you cannot, you must not do it alone. Here's what I found out in this process I found out that all of the armies marching and all of the navy sailing and all of the beer that's brewed and all of the alcohol that is distilled is not gonna stop this disease. But it's the support and comfort of friends and it's acknowledging what we're going through and, and, and dealing with our emotions with the kind of help that is gonna make us a difference. It's not only a matter of surviving as a caregiver, but hopefully even thriving. And we're not gonna to get to that point by, by going solo. Like
0: going out alone well said i i, I lead a i started and lead a caregiver support group out here in our community in montana and uh, i never had anything like this in nashville when i lived there for 35 years and um and i thought you know what we, we need to have something like this i didn't know quite what it would look like i just did it the first couple of uh it's every thursday and the first couple of Thursday, I was by myself. <laughs> I just showed up by myself. But eventually, people started trickling. And now we're having more and more people from the community showing up. And I've got a couple of gentlemen in the group now whose wives are dealing with this. And they have expressed almost verbatim what you just said, you know, that, that, that they were trying to do this alone. And it was crushing them. And they realize now that they can't. And that they have to have some kind of community that one, one gentleman in particular, he's talking about, you know, his church, just, they, they just all ignore him. And he said, it's very hurtful. And I don't understand. And I think a lot of times people don't know what to say. One of the reasons I do this program is I want to give people the vocabulary of what to say, of how to be able to, and sometimes you don't need to say anything. Sometimes you just need to show up, you know, just be there. And, and, um, and, and I, I really appreciate what you just said there because uh people of faith particularly we, we have a, a mandate to minister to the to the, the sick, the the brokenhearted, the wounded. And and yet we don't sometimes out of our own discomfort. And I think it's uh, I, I love your words to help people push through that. I've got just about thirty seconds before we go to another break and I want to continue on this. And uh, what are your thoughts Transitioning as you're getting ready to take this new place in your life where your this burden has been lifted from you, and I wanted you to think about that before we go into the next segment. And um, in fact, I think I'll go ahead and do that now. and I'll just go ahead and go into the next segment because I want you to I want to set that up with you. And want to, as you now have tra- you're transitioning yet again in your life. And so I'd like for you to share your thoughts with that. Is that all right? Absolutely. All right, this is Peter Rosenberg. This is Hope for the Character. We're talking with Marty Shriver, former governor of Wisconsin, and his book is My Two Elaine's we Will Be Right Back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberg. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save him for years, and it just wouldn't work out. And finally, she relinquished them and thought, Wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on her fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing with Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give. They go walking and leaping and praising God. You could be a part of that at standingwithhope.com.
3: Acknowledging God, the Creator, as the source of liberty and the rights of life, liberty, and private property is the only foundation upon which freedom can survive. Our founders recognized this reality and wisely chose to bend their desires and thoughts into conformity with God's plan for society and nations. It's past time we return to their wisdom. Hello, I'm Sam Rora with the American Pastors Network and another Stand in the Gap Minute. If liberty to remain in America, we must once again appeal to the great judge of the universe to hear our pleas and to intercede on our nation's behalf. It's clear that no nation can survive which rejects God as creator, Christ as redeemer, life as sacred, liberty as a gift of God, and private property rights as a blessing from God. Join with us at Stand in the Gap Radio and TV and appeal to the God of heaven in holy submission, asking Him to intercede. Our freedom depends upon it. Stand with us at standinthegapmedia.org.
2: I know that I can make it oh I know that I can stand no matter what go my way my life
0: welcome back to hope for the caregiver this is Peter Rosenberger this is the program for you as a family caregiver hopeforthecaregiver.com. that is my wife Gracie from her CD resilient you can see more about her at hopeforthecaregiver.com. Also check out our Facebook group. It's a private group that I started just for caregivers. It's the Hope for the Caregiver group. And you can see that and more at hopeforthecaregiver.com. We're continuing our conversation with Marty Schreiber. He's former governor of Wisconsin. His book is My Two Elaine's. And it's available wherever books are sold. And I would highly recommend you get a copy of this book. And then buy an extra copy to give to a friend that's going through this. Give it to your pastor. Give it to... Anyone, you know, that is touching this world, he brings a, a, an amazing insight as you've been hearing from our conversation together. Marty, before the break, we were talking about, okay, you've done this now for 18 years and you have, you've logged in some hard days as a caregiver. Alzheimer's is one of those things that it takes so much off so much life out of the caregiver, uh, years off the life of a caregiver in times. And you've done this and now. Elaine has gone and you are catching your breath from this what's next what what's what's the next transition for you
4: well first of all I want you to know how much I admire and am grateful for what you do uh, because you're helping give insight to caregivers to, to give them that hope and that strength is is it's incalculable. As to, as to the importance and value. With that being said, um, I know we cannot fight this Alzheimer's disease head on. And I know that if we try and do it, it's a disaster for not only the caregiver, but also for the person that is ill. And I'm thinking, how can we develop the ability to, to learn, cope and survive And I conclude by saying, forget about fighting the disease head on. The point is our goal now, our fight, is to help our loved one and ourselves live our best lives possible. Now, that opens up something brand new because when when Elaine and I were dating, how are we gonna live our best lives possible? When we were getting our first our first daughter was how can we uh, best lives possible, looking at home the best life, always oh, searching for the best life possible. And just because Alzheimer's comes along, that does not mean that we stop looking for how do we live our best lives possible. And I think if it is possible for we caregivers to begin focusing on that, it's going to assuage, it's going to take away a lot of that guilt, uh, a, a lot of that anxiety, because now we have a new mission. The you can look at Alzheimer's as being the world's most dreaded disease. Okay, well, let's do that. But then also what let's look at what is the greatest opportunity. Well, the greatest opportunity for us is to just say we are going to try and now focus on living our best lives possible. So what will I be doing? Um, I think I want to work with caregivers. I, I want to work with doctors and nurses and, and, and physical therapists and lawyers and, 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 uh, uh, human resource departments to help them understand this disease a little bit better, to help them understand the challenge of being a caregiver and, and, and even to work, to have more dementia friendly churches and parishes and synagogues and, and human relations departments and so forth and so forth. And so, uh, I think that's that's what I want to do, and and uh, it's 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 become a mission. It's become a passion. It's because it's become something I want to do, and uh, I, I that's an exciting kind of prospect for me. An exciting kind of prospect.
0: You know, you spent a career in public service, and you reached the pinnacle in your state as the governor, and now you're entering in a level of public service that escapes most people and that you are taking your own pain, your own wounds, your own heartache, and you're channeling this into a way to lift others up and reach into their, their heartache with a, um, with a clear message of hope and a path. You've done this through this book. You're doing this through this conversation you and I are having, you're doing this through your life. And it really is quite moving Marty to watch this and see, And to see your passion and your energy on this. And uh, uh, I'm grateful to be a part of, of what you're doing. I've got about a minute or two. And I'd like for you just to offer one last insight to listeners right now who are just at the beginning of this journey. Can you take about a minute to do that?
4: Well, certainly, I think one of the most important is to learn about this disease. Again, if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. And then the next is to join the world of the person who now is. And uh, no way you're going to change it, accept it, and even rejoice in it to the best of your ability. And then also by doing that, you are going to enable yourself to have more moments of joy with your loved one. And if we don't understand this disease, if we don't join the world of the person who now is, we're gonna miss out on moments of joy. And how tragic would that be in addition to the challenge of facing this disease? Well said
0: Marty Schreiber and the book is called my two Elaine's. You can get it wherever books are sold. And I, again, I would highly recommend you doing this. You know, we have a, a mandate uh, as from our savior to the sick, naked, hungry, prison, thirsty. And he's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty serious about it. And these missions of mercy of extending mercy Uh, That we are, we see throughout all of scripture and Marty has modeled, modeled this beautifully, excuse me. And, and I think this is our calling and to, to, and, and as Marty so also modeled for us, showing mercy to yourself, showing mercy to yourself through this journey. It is painful enough without you push, putting unreasonable expectations on you to fight something that is way beyond our pay grade. We are not able to do it. I want to close with a song that I've never played on the program before. And this is, um, this is a piece that I wrote for caregivers and a friend of mine in Nashville helped me finish it up and it's called, I can only hold you now. And I asked, I played this on the keyboard and, and I asked Gracie to sing it with me. And she, she agreed to do so and lend me that gorgeous voice of hers. And she was so precious when she did it, and uh, she wanted to do a good job of this. She knew how important this song was to me. So I wanted to end with this. And, Marty, I want to thank you again for the privilege of just sitting down and talking with you. I, I, I cherish these times, and you're always welcome, okay?
4: My pleasure. Thank you so very, very much.
0: Governor, you are most welcome. This song I think you're going to find very meaningful. It's called I Can Only Hold You Now. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time. Here's
2: Gracie. I know what this means. I'm not unaware. I understand the cost. What I pay to care. I see who you are. I see all you've been I still love you now Like I did way back when